Why is it that we should be prioritizing safety before strategy in our businesses? And what is the real secret to feeling worthy of what it is that we're calling in? I talk about all of that and more with Ashley Bowden in today's episode. You're listening to Quietly Ambitious with conversations about how it really feels to build a business that honors your whole self unapologetically. And that includes who you are, how you feel, what you really desire, the impact that you want to create, and importantly, the money you want to make. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, and my superpower is supporting sensitive and ambitious humans to make more money by fully expressing and owning all of who they are. Let's dive in. Hi, and welcome to another interview on the Quietly Ambitious podcast. Today, I am chatting with coach Ashley Bowden about what it really means to self-sabotage, how to cultivate safety in our businesses, and why it is so important that we do, and how to truly feel worthy as business owners and as humans. I really couldn't do justice with the introduction to this episode. Honestly, it was magical. So you're just going to have to listen to it, and I can't wait to re-listen. Now let me introduce Ashley. Ashley helps creatives to heal their self-sabotage and cultivate gentle businesses that they can feel safe inside of. She is known for her compassionate presence and soul-stirring voice. When she is not holding space for humans, you can find her discovering new donuts or having some heart-to-heart conversations. She is also host of the Gentle Business Gathering, which is open for registration at the time of release. And I am one of the speakers. Yay! You can get your free ticket via my affiliate link at ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash gathering. And you'll hear me speak about soulful selling there. Some of the other topics include the power of rest, aligning your business to your human design, how to feel safe with the money and more. It really is going to be magical. Now I'll leave you to enjoy this beautiful, deep, nourishing conversation. Okay, so let's dive in with the deep questions. I know you talk about helping people to better support themselves and to feel safe in themselves. And Mm -hmm. I would love to hear from you what that means to you and why that is so important for business owners. Yeah, well, I really got into the concept of safety, specifically in business and with entrepreneurs, because of the work that I was creating around Mm self-sabotage. Self-sabotage is ultimately like a practice of making sure that we feel safe and so it really became clear to me how important safety was and what I started to see with clients and even in my own story was that safety was never being thought about in business people you know people weren't necessarily asking themselves like what do I need to feel safe and they would Mm -hmm. actually get stuck in cycles of self-sabotage because they were not prioritizing safety and a lot of the you know the content maybe that they were consuming were the business models that they were seeing set up were actually models of business and ways of doing business that literally didn't make them feel safe mm-hmm. and so you can see how it kind of creates the cycle that people get stuck in where they're they're like oh I need to do it this way oh I don't feel safe oh I'm self-sabotaging Oh, I feel like shame for self-sabotaging. Oh, let me Google how to do it. And then it just like repeats and repeats and repeats. Mm -hmm. So it became this idea of like, what would happen if you really prioritized your safety in business from the start 
and could that actually help you heal self-sabotage and make really beautiful moves in your business from a very embodied and supportive space yeah I love that and I totally like this idea of self-sabotage as a way to make us feel safe is like it's quite like mind-blowing to some people yeah yeah and I love that we're talking about that so can you give an example I don't know if you have one I'm like putting you on the spot but like when someone like what are the signs that someone is stuck I mean you gave some of it but like what does it really look like to be experiencing this and why do we not realize that we're doing it Mm -hmm. well one I think for sure is if you're noticing like the presence of self-sabotage which that could look a million different ways but that could Mm -hmm. look you know like people-pleasing or perfectionism or chronic procrastination or um undercharging or you have a really successful month and then you sabotage the next month. Uh, those types of things. If there's the presence of self-sabotage, for sure we know that you are not feeling safe. Um, another way that we can tell someone is maybe feeling stuck in unsafety is you can usually honestly tell by um if you're if you're sort of like assessing it for yourself how you feel how do you feel when you're approaching your business are you approaching your business out of this spirit and feeling of connection presence care or are you approaching your business out of fear force harshness those are all other sort of clues that there might be um some sense of unsafety happening there and then that's the irony right because then for example, you're harsh with yourself because you don't feel safe, but then your harshness makes you feel unsafe. <laughs> so you mm, kind of mm-hmm. get stuck inside of that feeling of unsafety. Yeah, yeah, totally. And like you mentioned about these feelings, if you can check in with yourself. And I feel like, do you do you notice this with people that there is resistance or perhaps like not even knowing how to do that? Like not even knowing how to yeah. check in. I think it depends. I think um, there's a certain group, I almost like a group of entrepreneurs um, that um, really operate in their heads, like really operate um, strategically, intellectually. They're, they're usually high achievers, moreover workers. Those people, I think, are more prone to not necessarily being used to asking those self-aware, self-connected questions. But then I think you have people who are actually the other extreme, like they almost live too much in their heart um, and they're not grounded by their body or grounded by their mind. And so they um, they could actually like get stuck in, like get stuck in reflecting, stuck yeah. in self-awareness um, and not actually start making the moves to restore a sense of safety. Yeah, I definitely relate to being on the overworking side of that. Yeah. Like that is definitely my default. And it's just such a journey to like learn to tune into my body. Totally. Such a journey. Which which side of that? What's been your experience and your journey? I'm definitely the second one. Um, so like have always really lived in my heart emotions. Um, I, one of the jokes I say sometimes is that I have been a chronic underthinker. 
<laughs> not overthinker. Like we'll just really follow an impulse or a dream that I see without like really thinking it through or having a plan. That's been a, a major form of self-sabotage for me. Um, but I would say the body piece too, because both of those people who operate in either of those can both feel disconnected from their body. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was definitely the case for me as well. Yeah. I definitely experienced that as well. Yeah. Both ways you can be disconnected. Yeah. I would love to know, like, how do you start? How how do you start to connect with your body? Mm, well, one of the things that I think like actually like any of this stuff, so sabotage, body, safety, we really just want to start with compassionate awareness, just a kind, gentle awareness and noticing that has been the biggest um, support for me at the, you know, more of the beginning of these processes for me. Cause like I did not create a business embodying what I embody today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started to just be a powerful question for me to just constantly return to of what do I notice here? What do I notice? Yeah. And not even at the, at that's that beginning compassionate awareness piece. It's like not even being like, I'm searching for a problem or I want to make a diagnosis or, or whatever, but um, more of a, a mindful noticing of, okay, like I see that and I acknowledge it. And, and that makes sense born out of that place of compassion versus fixing. So I would say that's definitely like, definitely the first piece. So if we look at it, even in terms of the body, like how does your body feel um, in the daily in your work? How does your body feel when you go to film a reel? Uh, and really just like making an awareness and checking in we're so used to bypassing different you know aspects of who we are and um, there's something really powerful to be said about paying attention to those pieces and I think it's so easy with entrepreneurship to you you know just sort of like force yourself through things and not really pay attention to you what's going on for you and so um that's uh, an example of a way you kind of pay attention to it yeah and I'm curious to hear how does it work how does this how do you discern between I, I mean I'm so interested in this how do you discern between like this is a feeling of unsafety and this is a feeling of stretching and growing Yes. In a good way. <laughs> One of my favorite questions. Basically, how you can discern the difference is when it's kind of that piece. It's kind of there's a context too of like when you are stretching yourself, getting outside your comfort zone, challenging yourself to grow, you want it to feel stretchy but you don't want it to feel so unsafe that now your nervous system is activated into fight or flight. Like you don't want to get it to the point where you're now overwhelmed and now you're just, you're shifting states in your body. Um, And that like paying attention to that is an art. (laughs) It's a a real practice. Um, 
and really being able to understand and discern where that line is for you um, can be, you, it can be really tough. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the keys with that is really looking and prioritizing slow incremental stretching versus massive leaps. And I, I think too, you can take into consideration like your history. Um, what is your nervous system regulation like? Have you had significant trauma? Have there is there chronic illness? Like, is there neurodivergence? Because all those things are going to create a lower capacity to stretch the nervous system. Yeah. And just be really realistic about it. And if it is, if maybe there's lower capacity, like that's what it's like for me, then I just know that I really have to prioritize slow stretching over like taking big leaps, which is a a really big thing that I did in the past. Yeah, I think that's so helpful. And I like the way you called it an art and a practice because I think that this has been like, I think that we need to, we do our best, right? And sometimes we push ourselves too far. Sometimes we let, like, I don't know about you, but like, I've come so far with this stuff and still I find myself, you know, going back to the same old pattern sometimes or like pushing it, overdoing it and then crashing. And, you know, it it is the way it is. Like we make mistakes and we get, we are experimenting all the time and learning all the time. Totally. Yeah. So like, with this, I guess, practice of tuning in, listening, and learning to discern between the slightly the different feelings of discomfort. Yeah. How do we translate that into what we do in our business? Or what are maybe I don't know if you have any, but like what are some common ways that people, I guess everyone is different, but are there any common themes that you notice in ways that people take make practical changes in their business I suppose Mm -hmm. as a result of this Mm -hmm. um so I would say okay so one of the very first things that I would say and and that is a big part of um, how I teach gentle business is that the first thing we want to look at is what does make you feel safe if we're going to really prioritize, help you prioritize safety in your business, we need to know what gives you that embodied, grounded sense of safety. And, you know, that's a question that not a lot of people sit with in general. Um, Like, even if you were like, what makes you feel safe in relationships? Um, Not a ton of people would just know their list off the top of their head. Mm but I think it's one of the most beautiful and important questions to sit with in every area of life. And so that, you know, we want to just like create space to sit with that question. What would make me feel beautifully safe in creating this business and realizing like there's, you know, if you, when you're creating a business, there's so much about it that doesn't feel safe. Like just acknowledging that, you know, you're, really putting yourself out there in new ways you're um consistently getting outside of your comfort zone and there's so there's already a presence of unsafety like I wouldn't say like if you're risk averse that you know entrepreneurship is is really for you and so I think it's important to acknowledge that just because you see so many people doing it doesn't mean it's not uncomfortable and then 
what's going to help you feel safe. And so this could, you know, obviously be a million different things, but I would say that some, I'll give some examples of, you know, some common ones. And a big one I've seen come up for people is having spaciousness, space to make decisions, not feeling rushed, having a significant amount of time to create something, not feeling like they have to, you know, adhere to this really strict um, small timeline or short timeline. Um, another thing that can help you all feel safe is having a plan can help make people feel safe. Having um, like projected profit or really having awareness of their numbers, um, not only in the past and present, but for the future. Um, knowing that they have a certain amount of money in the bank. Another thing that could help people feel safe is um, how they motivate themselves and how they relate to themselves and lead themselves in their own work. And, you know, like, are they meeting themselves with, it's kind of what I said before, but are they meeting themselves with like criticism or harshness or just do it, no excuses? <laughs> or are they meeting themselves with kindness and, or like um, love for what they do or um, a vision or compassion? Um, that's going to make a really big difference on how safe someone feels. And so those are some examples from like, I'm trying to hit like a few different approaches of safety, um, that I've seen be helpful for people, but it could really, it could honestly be anything. I love those examples. So helpful. Thank you. And I, I kind of want to like get in the plug here about the gentle business gathering, because I feel like with this event, we're going to cover so many different potential avenues that people can take that really relate to this as well as, yeah. you know, running a gentle business in, in general, which is happening on, from the 23rd to the 25th of January. And I will put, I will put the link in the show notes. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm a speaker and I'm honored to be a speaker there. So I felt like that was a good time to mention it. Yeah. Um, with all of this and with making these changes and, and by the way, like I, as the on the kind of overworking side yeah. of things, defaulting to that, there's real resistance to doing this stuff. Like sometimes, yes. <laughs> real resistance because, for example, creating space in my business, it's like, well, no, I'm going to get stuff done. You know, <laughs> get stuff yeah. done. I'm going to make fast decisions. I'm going to push things forward. You know, I'm going to mm -hmm. make things happen. Um, and I guess it's because you know your default state. You're going to. You, it feels uncomfortable to do something differently right yeah. but what have you witnessed that this makes possible when people go with the discomfort of actually doing the thing that makes them feel safer what do you see that this makes possible for business owners mm -hmm. um well I think a few things like one I think they can you can really see self-sabotage diminish heal and so you get sort of out of those cycles that I mentioned. Um, you learn to lead yourself versus being led by everything or everyone else. Um, also, it's so much one of the phrases I always say is like, everything is easier when you feel safe. So much easier to take action. Um, I would say most overworkers is probably like the only self-sabotage type that can still take action when they don't feel safe 
um, most, most cannot, they feel like really paralyzed. So that can be a really, really big piece. Um, and then, you know, if you're taking more action, you're going to see more results in your business. Um, even the, even shifts, I think around, there's so much to be said around the energy that you bring to your work and that can change a lot of things It can change how your content presents it can change how what kind of people and how people are drawn to you so you know like for example if you this is a total example I'm making off the top of my head but if you are someone who um is let's say you're a one of the self-sabotage types is guardian. So that type really, it doesn't feel safe if people get close. Well, then you might create social media content that's really polarizing so that um, people either love you or they hate you. And then you're going to draw people that are really drawn to polarizing messaging without any consideration. Or is that the kind of person that you're really wanting to work with and all of this is now born out of your sense of not feeling safe of like I need to be keep people at a distance um and so it can if you were going to really look at safety then that's going to shift all of those almost like a domino effect all of those pieces and that can um, really bring movement to a business where there wasn't any before I love what you said about like, yeah, how that can literally show up in your content and who you're attracting. Because I've been doing a lot of like personal healing work on my kind of attachment and trying to mm. build up a secure attachment. And I have a, like an avoidant dismissive attachment style. Mm. And um, it literally can manifest in me creating, you know, problems that keep me at a distance from my partner. Right. Yeah. And it's just so it's mind bending to realize that what I think is like a fact, like this is a situation that's happening and it's annoying me and I want to be on my own or whatever is actually um, my brain's way of staying safe and not wanting, you know, it it feels unsafe to be close, intimate. So I love, I love just hearing how you shared that in the context of business as well. It's so like, it makes so much sense to me that this shows up and it's so subtle and it's so it's so subtle but it's also massive and ingrained in everything right yeah 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 I mean I think I'm, it's fascinating like looking at attachment styles in business is also so fascinating to me because business really is relationships yeah mm-hmm. and so attachment styles are really gonna you know really inform that and a great example of like more of like anxious attachment, which we see, I see come up so much with people pleasers mm-hmm. um, is like a lot of hypervigilance about like, oh, like a client emailed me and they like, let's say client emailed me and they didn't use punctuation. They're like, hate me. They hate it. Yeah. They hate my work. Um, it really creates that hypervigilance. And so, but like, you don't, you know, we don't necessarily hear a lot about like, how do, how can I make sure or create secure attachment in my relationships with my clients? Um, but it can, it massively impact because like you can't take the human out of the business. 
Exactly, exactly. It's so true. Um, one of the things that you said that I really just wanted to pick up on a little bit more was like this idea of it, um, you know, cultivating this sense of safety helps us to better lead ourselves. Like mm-hmm. I'm so interested in this idea of uh, leadership and actually leading ourselves I feel is the big I mean it's it's a foundation for leading others well in in a meaningful way yeah can you talk a bit more about that like do you have anything else to share about that it's kind of an open question but I'm just like so curious to hear what you have to say yeah well I think it definitely comes up a lot because we you know as just as human beings like it can be easy to not really lead ourselves but just be in constant reaction Mm -hmm. Um, or be led by other things like be led by what we think we should do or be led by the opinions of others be led by our calendar and all the commitments that we have um, be led by self-sabotage and self-protection and so then it like sort of begs this question of what would it look like to truly lead myself and does what does that change like, what does that change about what I focus on or what I do? And and then that brings up that question of not only how do you lead yourself, like, what does that look like for you? But then also, like, how do you do it in those little moments? Um, and because, you know, for example, like in business, let's say, I feel like this comes up all the time for me. So, like, I'm... Like let's say I'm working on I'm working on this summit. It's like I know that I have work to do for it, but you know, then you have you're like, I don't want to do it, or like I want want a puzzle. <laughs> um that's a moment of like self-leadership. Of can I actually step in and lead myself here so that I can make sure that these things get done? For someone more like you, I would say self-leadership really comes in on the other side of like how do you lead yourself into spaces of rest how do you or how do we lead ourselves when we're having an emotional spiral Mm -hmm. do we just allow ourselves to be um to sort of just like react to that spiral and then move on or do we um soothe ourselves after that or, or what does that really look like and so um it's kind of just getting a little bit of a, in a way, like a little bit of a bird's eye view. And I think that, I think inner child and and reparenting really plays into it as well. Um, I would say 99% of the time, if you're not leading yourself well, it's because you don't know how to lead your inner child. Your inner child is probably leading you. Um, and so how can you become the loving parent to yourself? to move forward with a, with much more intentionality. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. And it's a practice and it's deep stuff. Um, And I guess on the topic of self-leadership, there's also that, I can't remember exactly how you described it earlier, but that compassionate Mm -hmm. curiosity about how you're doing it, because, you know, we all have our moments, don't we? When totally we refuse yeah. to lead ourselves we yeah. want to wallow we want to whatever it is that we want to do yeah 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 so 
there was something else that I really wanted to talk about. And that was this idea of, not idea, but like, how does this all relate to feeling worthy, feeling worthy of, and I feel like when we're making decisions for ourselves and some people are more kind of prone to thinking in this way than others, I guess, but when we're making decisions that really prioritize ourselves as individual humans that really matter, um, there can be pushback and potentially guilt around like, who am I to do this? Who am I to make decisions? Who am I to carve out this gentle business that is really tailored to me? Who am I to live this life when so many people are struggling, when I've got so many responsibilities, whatever, X, Y, Z reasons? Um, Yeah, how does this idea of worthiness or deserving tie into all of this for you? And how do we navigate that? Yeah. Well, one of the things I would say is that when we're noticing that kind of stuff come up, I'm I'm always an encourager of stay with the thought longer than you normally want to. So of the thoughts coming up of who am I to do this? If you sit with the thought a little bit longer, like what else is there to say? And, you know, potentially maybe asking deeper questions about it. Like, what is this really about? Um, you know, because I think with um, things like imposter syndrome and and all of those things, you know, all of those things are just often really driven by fear and almost always because they, we feel vulnerable. This feels scary. This feels uncomfortable. This feels unknown. I don't know how this is going to end. Um, and I find like one of my real pet peeves is <laughs> like any kind of Instagram post that's like, tell your inner critic to shut up or whatever. I'm like, get away from me. Um, because they're such, it's like when I, when I hear the imposter syndrome in someone, when I hear those questions, I what I really hear is a vulnerability sort of whispering I am scared or I don't know or I don't know if I can trust this or I don't know if I feel safe with this and so how can we turn towards our own tenderness how can we turn towards our own vulnerability and say tell me more about that or what do you really need here or How can I make this feel safer? How can I make this feel true? And discovering what comes out of that really beautiful, precious space, which I know can be somewhat hard to do depending on what you're like and um, all of that, which is also what makes coaching or therapy or any kind of modality like that so powerful to create that space to, to have those conversations. And then um, it's in that, I think it's in that turning inwards that you discover the worthiness 
because it's when you turn inwards, you discover inherent worthiness. When you turn outward, outwards, you'll always feel scarcity for worthiness. But it's going to take courage, right, to turn inward to the tenderness and and see what can can help and and bring soothing. But I, I think it's just an encouragement to anyone listening as well that like one, you may have never framed it as tenderness, <laughs> but that's what I'm framing it as. And just because you feel the presence of tenderness or vulnerability in work um, doesn't mean that like you don't have what it takes, doesn't mean that those questions are true, doesn't mean that you're not worthy. Um, and it's like so much more common than it is not common. I mean, that was just so beautifully put. Like, seriously, I'm sat here like I could cry. Like, I feel <laughs> your words so much because this has been my own journey. Like, I used to, yeah. I used to hate that inner critic. I used to hate that inner critic. That inner critic is a part of me. Yeah. I used to hate, I used to hate that part of me. And yeah. like, since I started actually listening to it, talking to it, hearing it, seeing it, it's just, and yet you're right. It does take courage. Like mm-hmm. it brings up messy, difficult stuff, but it's just so much more powerful and healing than dismissing yeah. it and p- trying to pretend it's not there. Cause it's always there. Even when you try and pretend, right. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. You put, just put it into the most amazing words. <laughs> and I'm sure that that will be so helpful to everyone listening. I'm so glad. Okay. So when I have guests on the podcast, I always ask them, what's the question that you want to ask the audience or what's the question that you want to ask me? And the question that you asked is how can your business hold you with more softness? How can mm. your business hold you with more softness? I would love to know what your answer to that question is. yeah well I love this idea of my business holding me not me holding my business um like my business supports me I don't support my business my business centers me I don't center my business and the my business is being another expression of of feel of a place where I can feel held so for example like my business brings in money so that I can feel resourced. That makes me feel held. My business helps me use my gifts and support others. That really makes me feel held. Um, it's definitely a different, a different language and 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 way to look at it. But I love, I personally just like love the feeling of being held. And so uh, I'm like, yes, how can my business hold me? Um and so that's, I think, always a question for me. I would say that right now I've really been playing with it in terms of um, systems. I think that, you know, for a long time I was, because I'm not a big, in general, because I lean more towards like emotions and feelings and whatever. Like I'm I'm not someone who's very like system organization oriented in general. Um, but I started realizing over the last few months I guess that how much systems help me manage overwhelm and 
specifically just like they get things out of my head so that I can, you know, put them somewhere else and I don't have to live with them all the time. Um, that's a way my business can really hold me with more softness. Those systems can hold me with more softness. Thank you for sharing that because I have like this question kind of, it almost stops me in my tracks because I've never, I've never asked that yeah. question before of myself. Yeah. So thank you for posing it. And I hope that we can all go away and reflect on it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah, exactly. Okay. So I'm just going to shift gears and ask you my random, randomly picked question to finish, to round this off. And the question is, when was the last time that you changed your opinion about something? Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, you know, you, you told me this earlier and I was like, I could take this such light places. I could take this such heavy places. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you one light, one heavy. Okay. Not heavy, serious. Yeah. My light answer is growing up, I absolutely hated mushrooms. <laughs> Um, I was like, they're slimy and gross. Some people listening are are probably like, yeah, it's true. Um, (laughs) but now I love them. Like I could eat them like every day and anything. Yeah. Hamburgers, eggs, pasta, rice. I mean, mushrooms forever. Um, so that's my light one. (laughs) My more serious one is I grew up more... I was really involved in church as a a teenager and but was very intense about my beliefs um and you know in church religious settings there's a lot of black and white thinking about really hot topic issues Mm -hmm. you know and I think abortion being one of them and so my mind has absolutely changed with a lot of those very black and white pieces and I think that um there's I think I was telling someone the other day that doing coaching when you when it's literally your job to like sit with people in their stories and experiences with and and really committing to being a very compassionate witness that not only changes you, but it it increases your capacity to sit with nuance. And like that the same thing could happen to like 10 different people and it could mean 10 different things. And that's the real issue that I have with these very black and white statements about what is good or bad what is right or what is wrong because of how unique and nuanced every human life is and so that is definitely it's like I feel for me like it has just been a constant softening of like when I think sometimes when I think of like black and white opinions I think of really sharp edges yeah and my sharp edges are just consistently becoming softer and softer and softer um and so that's what I would say for that one wow what like I'm glad I asked that question and I love the way of describing it as a softening perfect 
this was like such a wonderful conversation. Like, honestly, loved it. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of that. And for anyone listening, definitely go ahead and sign up to the Gentle Business Gathering happening. Well, you can sign up now at the time this episode is live um, and it's starting on the 23rd of January. So it's going to be amazing. The link to get your free ticket is ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash gathering. And if you want to find out more about Ashley and her work, you can find her at ashleybowden.com. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Quietly Ambitious. If you have a moment to rate and review, know that it really does make a difference. And if you'd like to carry on the conversation, then you can connect with me on Instagram at ruthpoundwhite. Join me in the Facebook group or my personal favorite, sign up to my newsletter, Letters to Quietly Ambitious Humans. Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe and keep doing what you're doing because your work really does matter.